Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joins us once again this week, but we have our debut segment, Hidden Hornets History. Find out what Rick Bennell has to bring to the table. Also, we have another game in the Charlotte Hornets alternate universe via Doug's Nintendo Switch and this. Right. We, we don't know if Mitch Kupchak's going to overpay for glue. We don't know if he's bringing the coupon book or if he's buying all the glue. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. The sports world has been blessed with content because of NFL free agency, and man, the Carolina Panthers certainly have de- uh, delivered here locally. Cam Newton, apparently it was reported that the Carolina Panthers have... Uh, are going to be seeking a trade on his behalf that he's been given permission to seek a trade. Cam Newton comes back at the Carolina Panthers saying, don't try to control the narrative. This was forced. It's going to get pretty ugly here in Carolina between the Panthers and the, and Cam Newton between those two parties. It reminds me a little bit, not that it was ever this messy, but it reminds me of the city of Charlotte losing another big time sports figure within the city over really the last decade when the Charlotte Hornets lost Kemba Walker. We're going to be talking about that as well as the coronavirus effect on the NBA today. We do have uh, the Locked on Hornets podcast on a Tuesday edition, and we often have Rick Bennell on these Tuesdays of the Charlotte Observer. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks so much for joining us once again. How are you? Hey, I'm great. It's it's not like I was doing anything else, unfortunately, but you know, that's life. <laughs> How is quarantine life for you, Rick? Are you just hunkered down at home? What are you doing? Right as we speak, I'm sitting on a park bench out on the greenway after some exercise. And I'm glad the weather's nice. Uh, hopefully this stays because at least if people can get out and enjoy uh, nature, I think it'll make them a little less uh, creeped out by all this. Yeah, trying to get away from cabin fever, at least you're able to do that, uh, Rick. But as I was leading into it, Cam Newton, that's the story of the day, right? As far as Charlotte goes, Tom Brady also says that he will not go back to the New England Patriots. But this Cam thing does have me thinking a little bit about the way that the Charlotte Hornets handled Kemba Walker. What are the similarities? What are the differences and what you've seen so far, we, we haven't seen a, a ton transpire between Cam and Carolina as soon as this report came out that the Panthers would quote unquote permission to seek a trade. But what kind of similarities and differences do you see between the two franchises and losing their two stars? I think it's quite different in that, you know, everybody understood each other's position when it came to Kemba leaving the Hornets. Um, Kemba understood that Michael you know, wasn't going to go above the salary tax. I mean, the, the luxury tax and Kemba knew that, you know, his market value was, was greater than that. Uh, and that if, I mean, he wanted to stay, there's no maybe about that, but he also felt like if he had a chance to play for a great franchise, um, like the Celtics and he wasn't getting the premium that you would have expected to get from the team that held his bird rights, you know, he moved on. But the point was, and Kemba said this repeatedly, he has no resentment toward Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan certainly doesn't have any resentment toward him. They were all able to part as friends. This is starkly different that way, guys. Um, the Panthers put out a statement suggesting, you know, when they said they gave permission for Cam's people to look for a trade, you know, whether this was intentional or not, that implied to the public that 
Cam took some action and Cam got obviously got very angry about that based on, you know, what he said on Instagram, you know, that, that this is not, this was not something he wanted much less provoked. And there's no way in the world, this is not going to end with, with, I think some real ugliness. And that's a terrible shame because Cam, his body of work here, um, unless you, you think of, of Dale Earnhardt as being Charlotte's Cam is clearly the most impactful athlete in Charlotte history. Rick, it, it does look like the Hornets and all the veterans left things pretty amicably with, with Marvin Williams. It seemed like that was okay. It, it seemed like the one guy that maybe it wasn't all roses was MKG. Is, is that the only one that comes to mind for you as far as anything that you could consider messy? Is, is that the only one? Like, And how bad did that even get in your eyes, Rick? Maybe behind closed Walker, doors. Not only is that true, quite literally, the reason that this has been such a, you know, a, a, the opposite of a fractured locker room in, in this massive state of change is because, frankly, James Borrego's two biggest advocates were Nick Batum and Marvin Williams, the two people who, you know, circumstantially got disenfranchised as much as anybody. Um, I think, you know, you, you've heard me say this several times. I think that JB is a people manager. He's he's demonstrated exceptional skills in that regard. Um, this is a happy, you know, th- this is a happy place. Everybody knows where they're coming from. And part of that, by the way, JB has talked about this, is that he isn't scared of conflict. He will deal with things immediately up front rather than avoid difficult situations. And the players respect him for that. Um, it feels right now like there's a passive aggressiveness going on around the Panthers. And, you know, the fact that Greg Olson and Trey Turner chimed in um, after Cam expressed anger, to me that says a lot about how, you know, it's it's kind of, there is a get out, you know, get out and, and do it now um, tone about this that is not going to be treated, you know, is not going to be looked upon well historically. Rick, let's transition full. NBA and the effect of the coronavirus that it's had on not only the regular season, but certainly it might look like it has an effect on the postseason. Now there's so much information coming out almost hour by hour at this point, considering the coronavirus. So who knows if the NBA is going to play the regular season and the postseason, but what are some of the changes? What are some of the impacts that you've taken notice of maybe as much as anything, if, if you're considering one detail over another? I assume you'd like me to look at this somewhat through the lens of how this affects the Hornets. There are two things that really come to mind, particularly with the offseason. One is that I think we are looking at a situation where whatever evaluation has been done in, you know, in person leading up to the draft, I mean, that's done. I think by the time that they draft people, um, they won't know anything more about these guys than they did before. I don't see how there are going to be workouts. I certainly don't think there's going to be a combine. I don't think that players will be allowed to go to facilities um, to work out unless the draft is pushed like ridiculously back. I think you'd have to have the draft in like August or September to have anything vaguely resembling a normal lead up to the draft. Um, obviously the Hornets are affected by that because they're going to have a lottery pick. Um, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference to what Mitch does. I I honestly think that because 
um, players working out in for individual teams because it's the only thing that happens that the public gets to see. I think a lot of times that step in this process probably gets more attention than it really matters. But uh, guys, I'll put it this way. Since I always thought there was a strong possibility that Mitch Kupchak would use the lottery pick on somebody who isn't in college basketball right now, I don't think this will keep them from making a good choice. But it's going to be the 2020 draft is going to be real different than anything that has preceded it in recent times. The other thing I think it's kind of interesting is, you know, for the first time in ages, the Hornets are going to have really large cap space. Um, Mitch said um, that he he anticipates having at least twenty eight million dollars in room under the cap on July 1st. But that was under the assumption of what the league's estimate, 113 million as the cap number per team, uh, they're losing millions daily. So I don't see how that's not going to affect defined basketball revenue. And therefore the cap's going to go down from what they're estimating. Um, to me, what's interesting about this, I was talking to a, 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 an executive from a different team and just kind of in the last couple of days, just sort of bouncing off of him, you know, what do you think the Hornets can do with this cap room? He made an interesting point that, you know, this is such a, an uninspiring free agent class that not only isn't there a lot to spend on literally with the free agents, but there's also not going to be an urgency from other teams to borrow people's cap room. That tells me that there's a strong possibility that this cap space may get banked again for the summer of 2021 it wouldn't surprise me at all if the hornets just sort of hold it for a better for a better opportunity all right in the times of the coronavirus we will continue to be a daily show rick Bennell joins us weekly and we have a new segment that rick has taken on that we really appreciate him for we'll debut that segment in the second segment here on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets SGA, 20 points, 20 rebounds, triple-double. I don't have a question. Oh, I just wanted to throw yeah, that yeah, in the yeah, middle of the arena. God almighty. Oh, oh, that knife. It hurt. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick, you talked with James Borrego. I know he made some comments that he said, quote, we're great at development. And that's interesting because it it does seem like they've done a really good job at player development. And James Borrego certainly seems to be a big factor in that. Did you see that as a recruiting pitch that might resonate with free agents? How did you take that message from James Borrego? I totally understand why he would view that as the thing that he would want to stress when a free agent visits here, and he should. And that's a, you know, that's not puffery. That's, that's true. Um, and I also think he's right when he says, you know, if, when everything else is equal, um, you know, when you talk about, you know, that money or years are, are obvi- obviously the first thing players consider. Some, you know, want to know how close you are to a championship. Uh, you know, others, you know, consider, you know, want to talk about, you know, where, you know, where they'd be moving to. Um, I think that that is something that players will listen to because I think at the end of the day, everybody wants a, a coaching staff that is going to help them be the best they can be and want to make sure that they're surrounded by players who are also the best they can be. Having said that, I just don't know when you're trying to, to sell a free agent. I don't know where that, that box is on the checklist. I mean, you know, both of you, huh? you know, I'm curious guys, you know, how much do you think, that would be a priority 
for people making a decisions, you know, in mid career. Yeah. I think a guy like D'Angelo Russell comes to mind trying to make it in the NBA, going from Brooklyn mm-hmm. or going to LA or from LA to Brooklyn, I should say. And I still don't even know if that was something he was super excited about. Yes. He benefited from player development, but I'm with you. I don't, I don't think that's something that people look on their list of things to check off and think, okay, here's a team that's great at player development check. And, and I, I just don't see any player really thinking that's as important as other issues like winning. And if you're going to pony up. Yeah. I mean, you know, money right, and so, contract uh, We wanted to start one, with a little recent uh, history to, to, to do our hidden history segment. And essentially this segment's three, about looking back, but also finding some like context and what happened in Hornets history and maybe finding some details that you may have missed along the way. So we'll start with some recent history. And I want to talk about the bevy of veteran signings that the Hornets made between the years of 2015 and uh, 2016, of course, signing Kimball Walker to an extension, uh, $12 million a year, followed by MKG to an extension, $13 million a year. And then, of course, the big money extensions that happened in the summer of 2016, Nick Batum getting his big deal along with an extension for Marvin Williams off of that playoff season. So, Rick, what do we not understand fully or maybe have missed in, in those signings, because now we're at the point where almost all of those players, if they're not already gone, are being worked out of the lineup. So, so what do we not remember about that, about that period? You know, Doug, um, you know, when we first talked about doing this particular subject, you know, I mentioned it as a perfect storm and I thought you put it well when you said, actually, it's an imperfect storm. That's right. Um, there were just <laughs> so many circumstances that conspired in this regard. And I think frankly, a lot of them are things that people, they just forgot about or they trivialize that are, that are really important to it. Um, the summer going into signing Nick and Marvin, um, they won 48 games. They literally finished in a four way tie for the fourth best record in the Eastern conference. If they had won one more game, they would have been the third seed. Um, that was the first time that they looked relevant since the NBA came back to Charlotte. And, you know, keep in mind, you know, Jordan was, you know, writing a check year after year after year to cover losses. They finally looked like a team that not only was improving, but looked like they may have crossed, you know, some sort of important, you know, line as far as being somebody. Um, they, they were a, a fourth quarter of Dwayne uh, Wade magic away from advancing to the second round for the first time since the NBA came back in 2004. Um, right. And, and, what, so, and what, wasn't that the reasoning that was kind of sold to the fan base at that time was they were putting together a lot of uh, players that were going to play well with one another and well under the system that Steve Clifford, the, co- the head coach at the time, was trying to install and that that was a team that could lead to a playoff series win. It always felt like that was the goal, was to win a playoff series. You know, some teams have uh, other goals. They have goals to win championships. It seemed like the goal of putting these veterans together was to win a playoff series. Michael has said to me and other people multiple times that the very important intermediate goal to being a contender is to be good enough to have home court in the first round. And this was certainly, you know, whether you know, it didn't work out, but this is certainly 
perceived as a step in the right direction. And I would argue something that people never want to hear. I would bet that 99% of the public perception of the Hornets going into that season, the summer, was, oh, my God, we're going to lose Nick Batum for nothing. What are we going to do? Right. Not, oh, my God, we're going to overpay this guy. What are we going to do? Um, the other thing that people don't want to hear that I know for a fact, the Hornets were under incredible pressure to get a deal done when they met with Nick in Dallas at midnight um, when free agency opened because they absolutely knew that there were other teams like the Knicks, like the Houston Rockets, like the Dallas Mavericks that were just waiting for meetings. I mean, somebody was going to overpay Nick because he he hit free agency coming off a career season. And what he did as a glue guy um, seemed really good. At the end of the day, the Hornets vastly overpaid for glue. And, and and Rick, I remember vastly overpaid for glue. That's great. We've all been there. We've all gone to Ace Hardware and paid way too much for glue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Elmer's man, you just got to go with the off-brand stuff. <laughs> I just, I, I just not going to pony up for Elmer's. I don't know if you can find glue right now. I might. I don't think totally Nick favorite. was available at Dollar General though, as <laughs> much as we let we say was. You know, no. uh, that's <laughs> true. Um, so let's go back though, all the way back to that Kimba contract extension, because I remember what even, and that's before Kimba transformed into the All-Star starting player that he would eventually become but even before that when he signed that extension i remember people pundits and fans alike were saying wow that's a really great deal and then the mkg deal happened and they said wow that's really good value um for for that player and then the cody zeller extension happened and everyone said wow that's really good value for that position and that player but at what point did you look at this and go wait a minute Okay, yes, each individual deal is good, but they're spending all of their money. Um, you know that I'm really glad you said that, Doug, because I think what, what's an important thing to keep in mind is um, Rich Show, and I'm not I'm not really passing judgment on whether this in general was a good or bad business principle. I'm more talking about how he applied it to people. Rich Show was highly motivated to take people off the market before they ever reached free agency. Um. In two cases, that worked out incredibly, incredibly well with Kemba and Jeremy Lamb. Um, it worked out okay with um, Cody Zeller and Marvin Williams. It worked out very badly with MKG and Nick Batum. Very badly, with you know, you can say with Nick. Um, and you know, but what I'm saying is, he he consistent what they consistently did. And I know that there have been discussions internally among the Hornets about this exact issue. Um, they were intensely concerned with over with 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 retaining people who, at the end of the day, were complementary players, and never, you know, never really getting enough star power for those complementary players to have value. Um, there, the situation now is they almost everybody on that roster you know with a, with a glaring exception of one more year of, of nick um everybody on this roster now is either on a rookie scale contract or something outside of the rookie scale but in their first contract there is there's next to nobody on this team anymore who's overpaid and i think you know some of that is just sort of weeding the situation out we don't know yet um how how Mitch Kupchak is going to deal with the next situation where he's got to decide, you know, between the between the bad alternatives of 
you know, losing somebody or right. overpaying somebody. Because in the NBA, as, as difficult it is for people to understand, in the NBA, a lot of times those are the only two alternatives. Right. We, we don't know if Mitch Kupchak's going to overpay for glue. We don't know if he's bringing the coupon book or if he's buying all the glue. I will say this. I think I think Mitch is um, <laughs> I think Mitch is much more of a hardliner. Uh, you know, Doug Moe used to have an expression that Alan Bristow would tell me about um, from horse racing industry, where Doug would say to Alan, "Don't fall in love with your horses." That really is what gets you in trouble in management. I, I listen, that's great advice in management, great advice in, in horse racing, farming, I mean, and glue, honestly. Don't if you look if you want to <laughs> and glue. Right. Uh, no, I'm saying that I think I'm saying I think Mitch is far less I think Mitch is far less likely to to fall in love with the horses than Rich Show did. Right. And by the way, you dropping Alan Bristow and Doug Moe's name, you are really getting into the spirit of hidden history, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, debuting the Hidden Hornets history segment that we will continue to uh, go to weekly. Rick, you can find him on Twitter at underscore Rick Bennell. Thank you so much for the time, Rick. We always really appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Take care. This is Locked on Hornets. Segway. It's called a radio segway. Well, and and I'm feeling better, by the way. If you didn't notice, I didn't want, you know, I'm I'm a little bit of a private person, so I don't talk about my health issues often on the show. Um, But what I now I'm healthy, and I think people are going to notice a change in me today. So I just wanted to kind of go ahead and get that out of the way um, that Doug is unleashed on this show today. So watch out. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Let me tell you guys, we just got done talking to Rick Bennell off mic. The stuff you didn't hear about after we had the Hidden Hornets history of the 2015-2016 signings. And let me tell you, next week, it's going to be lit, folks. I'm excited. I want to listen to that podcast right now. He revealed to us us what he's going to talk about next week. We can't reveal it to you. You have to listen next week. You have to subscribe to this show. You have to tell other Hornets fans that we are filling the gap until basketball eventually comes back. I will give you one hint is that it takes place. And I think what you would consider the good old days of Hornets basketball. Is that fair, Doug? Is that a good hint? Oh, the great. uh, I wouldn't, I think you're selling it short. The good old days, the great old days, the 50 win old days. Mm -hmm. I'm excited, man. That that's going to be fantastic. I'm excited to do that podcast. That'll be next Tuesday. Again, when we have Rick Bennell on to discuss everything going on in the NBA, then who knows what will be going on at that point, but also we will have that hidden Hornets history segment. The next segment though is also pretty juicy. (laughs) When man, so much juicy content here on lockdown Hornets. We have been in an alternate universe via Doug Branson's Nintendo switch. The Hornets are currently on a three game winning streak as it stands right now. And Doug, when I brought it up to tease it last segment, uh, you said that it was going to be a good one, or at least when we talked about it off mic, you got excited about what you were about to reveal to all of us. What are the results from the alternate universe, Charlotte Hornets? So this is Hornets versus Knicks. They're in the garden. And again, if you missed our last episode in the Hornets alternate universe, they're on a three-game winning streak after beating Miami and then Cleveland and then Orlando. Now they go up against the New York Knicks. Billy Hernan Gomez is on fire. Nick Batum is on fire. But I realized, Walker, 
that I did not reset the rotation so that you were, you speculated that maybe the rotations were weird, that maybe Billy Hernan Gomez shouldn't be getting minutes, that maybe Nick Batum should not be getting minutes for, um, I guess for, you know, history's sake for, uh, what, what would we call that? Just to make it right, you know, to make it what it was when they beat the Miami heat. So I went and adjusted those rotations. Oh, we ran it back. No, 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 no. I didn't redo oh, the okay. games. What? Okay. Listen, wait, you can't okay. redo right. history. What, ha- what has happened in the Hornets alternate universe has happened in the Hornets alternate universe. I, I thought in an alternate universe somewhere, Rick Bennell was 20 years in the future discussing what happened in the Billy Hernan Gomez dominant three game stretch. I didn't know if you went back and changed that. I mean, we're almost at 30 for 30 territory with how well Billy Hernan Gomez has played. But so I fixed the rotations. Okay. But then I, I, I sim this game against the Knicks and virtual James Borrego has openly defied my orders. <laughs> he reset my reset rotations, and, and Malik Monk is now off his suspension. I don't know how that works. I don't know how NBA 2K okay. all of a sudden knows that Malik Monk has now cleared whatever hurdle he needed to clear in, in order to get back on the court, but he is back, baby, and he is starting. He started this game against the New York Damn Knicks. Right Billy Hernan Gomez back in the rotation. Nick Batum started this game. <laughs> Terry, what is Borrego doing? Listen to me. Terry Rozier, sixth man. He's out they of the moved, starting lineup. They moved Rozier to the bench? <laughs> what did he do? I don't know. I'm that t- attitude finally showing up that we heard about in Boston? Listen, virtual James Borrego has gone completely rogue. He got a taste of victory, <laughs> three straight victories, and he's like, I'm taking this team to the playoffs. We're only five games back of Orlando. We just beat them head-to-head. Maybe, maybe it's not virtual James Borrego. Maybe it's virtual Michael Jordan who has decided, forget it. We're going all in. We're going for the playoffs. Malik Monk, he's starting. I don't care about a suspension. Nick Batum is starting. Billy Hernan Gomez, big minutes. Okay, so now I take you to the latest game, the Charlotte Hornets versus the New York Knicks, and the Hornets win 110 to 108. Can you believe it? Four-game winning streak. And so I I figured out, Walker, that I can actually look at the game if I don't – uh, it, there's a certain way I can sim this thing where I can actually look at the game log so that I can see how this game was won. And this was a tight one. So I want to make sure everyone's aware of what happened. Let's go to the, let's just go all the way to the fourth quarter. There's a uh, minute and 12 to go. And yeah. the Knicks are up 108, 107, minute 12 to go. Devontae Graham, three point jump shot, his 25th point of the game, bridges with the assist, 110, 108. Then 108 to go. Harkless misses a jump shot. Timeout. Graham substituted, replaced by Monk. So Monk hits the go-ahead shot, <laughs> and Virtual JB takes him out. What is happening? It does. It, he knows how to push all the right buttons. It resulted in a win. And then that's fine. And then Batum substitution replaced by Hernan Gomez. So now Batum is out of the game, and he replaces him with Billy. I'm telling. I think Virtual JB is trolling me at this point. He's just actively trolling me. All right, so Trier, three-point jump shot, missed. It's still 110-108. Then Robinson fouls. Biombo misses both of his free throws. Rozier substituted by Graham. Biombo misses his second free throw. Then Mitchell Robinson misses a close jump shot, and that's the game. So was it, it was so it was Biz and Billy in the game at the same time mm-hmm. with and so they, okay, that's an interesting decision that James Borrego decided to go with. He decided to go with the Twin Towers, the Twin Towers down low, Billy and Biz. 
It's it's really incredible the things that are happening right now. But right now the Hornets are twenty six and forty two. They've won four games in a row. Let me go to the box score just to kind of give you a rundown. Uh, Graham led the way, twenty five points, three rebounds, six assists on seven of thirteen shooting. Only attempted three three pointers in this game. Hit one of them. Was ten of ten from the line. Ten of ten from That's the line. That's fundamentally different. That's just different. Devontae Graham doesn't play like that. That's the way Malik Monk was almost playing at the end before he got suspended. Well, for your for you, Malik Monk stands. Uh, he had 28 minutes in this game. Again, he started this game 15 points, three rebounds, only one turnover, five of 11 from the field, two of five uh, from three. And he was a plus nine in this game. Bridges somehow, he was the second leading scorer. He was five of 10, but somehow he was a minus 10 in this game. <laughs> I don't know how that even works. Only in the alternate universe. What did your boy Mitchell Robinson do in this game, Doug? Can you pull up the game log from the New York Knicks? How did he play? Yeah, he played really well. I think he hit, uh, he hit, I, I feel like he hit the go-ahead shot. He, he was the one that had the go-ahead make. He had 14 points and 15 rebounds in this game. Six of 11 from the field, five fouls. R.J. Barrett fouled out of this game despite leading the team in points. That's, that's pretty, that's fundamentally Knicks. Frank Nilakina, 14 points. Whoa, 6 of 12 from the field. That's very unlike Nilakina. He's had a good game against the Hornets before, right? I mean, I, I think then he hit like three three pointers in a game last year. I think he came off the bench maybe and played pretty well, if I'm not mistaken. I thought there was a good Hornets game that Frank Nilakina played. But here we are in an alternate universe where Monk is starting and Devontae Graham continues to lead the team in points. Billy Hernan Gomez is actually getting a lot of run. Nick Batum is starting. I love this alternate universe. It's truly amazing. I'm trying to pull up the team records right now or to see where we stand in the standings. Give me a second. I'll do that. And then also what I want to look at tomorrow because we don't have a game scheduled. That, that Knicks game was actually scheduled for tonight. But tomorrow we won't have a game to sim, so I want to take a look at some of the uh, great made-up names for some of these uh, players that we have to scout for this uh, coming up draft. In fact, this game has a mock draft, so I can reveal the mock draft tomorrow. Oh, that's perfect. That's right. I forgot we did tease that. We can continue to tease that. Oh my god, this, these menus are so confusing. They got to fix these menus. I mean, they're so confusing. So, all I want, all I want, are the NBA standings. Here we go. I got the standings. I'm looking at the playoff <laughs> picture right now. I'm ready to report that the Charlotte Hornets are still five games back. Apparently, the Orlando Magic won. Wow. So it's still a long shot, but right now the Hornets sit at ninth place in the Eastern Conference. All right, that was anticlimactic. That wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Now tell your smart advice climactic, to play I know. most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. Thanks again for joining us. Make sure you have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Juicy!